All right, so I'll say good morning, a good night, everyone. Let us begin, Baruch a lot to do today. Not a lot of time, but it's the story of the Jew. Story of the Jew. Anyway, let's begin. So begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Nissan, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating all the Shirman Rushos this month in memory of Paul's parents, Shmuel ben Zechariah and Sarah Bas Avram, and to thank she- Avram and Shane Dikalman for dedicating all the Shirman Rushos this month in... Like this? Yeah. Uh, I know, then, then like... Yeah, except I can't see the Gemara when I'm... Uh... All right. I'm going to have to go to a good physical therapist. You know, I'm going I'm to be like this the whole time. All right. So, to thank Avram and Shandy Kalman for dedicating all of Sharon Drossos this month in memory of Avram's mother, Sarah Braina Bas Yoshua Heschel. We have the merit of our Tamil Torah. All of the Nishamos Lahav and Aliyah, the families in Nechama. And above with that, let us, let us begin. Hebron, Zoom, you hear me okay? All right, excellent. All right, so let's say, let's go. Today's daf is Yud Aleph, and we are picking up Emir Sashem at the two dots. On Yud Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, it was a jam-packed, jam-packed cheer over the last three days. Overwhelmingly, excitingly beautiful Gemara brimming with so many incredible contemporary lessons. At least we tried to extract some of them. We were in success with all of them, but let's say, here we can begin. Two dots, Yud Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, 12 lines down from the top. So let's remember again, the theme that the Mishnahis have been focusing on is the theme of Mida Kenegen Mida. Ultimately, again, the theme of divine reciprocity. And specifically, the focus has been up until now on divine reciprocity for the commission of evil. Right? You've seen people who have engaged in negative acts and ultimately, again, and ultimately, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu kind of paid it forward in kind. Now the Mishnah introduced us that the Midah Kineged Midah also exists, also exists Litova, also exists in the good. And the example that the Gemara gave, and the Mishnah gave for that was Miriam, that Miriam went ahead and waited for Moshe for while he was a little baby in the basket on the Nile. And so when she is stricken with Saras, Klal Yisrael waits for her. So says the Gemara, Midami, how can you compare it? Hasam Chadashaita Hachashivayomi. Right, Miriam only waited for Moshe Rabbeinu for a little bit of time. Chadashav means literally an hour. It means a short amount of time. Cloud Yisrael waited for Miriam when she was stricken with Saras for seven days. So Abayi says, you read the Mishnah is that when it comes to divine reciprocity for good, it's not the same thing. So I say, it sounds like what Abayi is saying is that the Midah of reciprocity, Midah Kinegin Midah, only applies in the negative, doesn't apply in the positive. Gemara says, that can't be. That's not what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said, so too for the Midah of good. This is what it means to say. So Rav says, this is what the Mishnah means to say. The Mishnah is coming to tell me that the concept of Midah Kineged Midah, or the Midah Sha'ada Modet Ba Modet Lo, the way in which a person behaves, that is the way in which Chashparach behaves towards him, applies both for the negative as well as for the positive. But here's the difference. Uli Olam, first wide line of Osei, Uli Olam, Mida Tova, Meruba, Mamidas Paranos. Obviously, the concept, ultimately, again, that the Mida of good, right, retribution or reciprocity for good, always outweighs retribution or reciprocity for the negative. In other words, so when it comes to Mida, Kineged, Mida, for the negative, so ultimately, again, a person is paid back in kind. When it, 
comes to Mida Kineged Mida for the positive, HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes ahead and repays a person even more than what they did. So in other words, in terms of punishment, so ultimately the level of punishment is capped corresponding, directly corresponding to the amount of negative perpetrated. When it comes to positive, we have a concept of Mida Tova, Miruba Amida Ra. That literally Yachalish Baruch Hu's willingness to go ahead, so to speak, and repay us for the good always is above and beyond the amount of retribution for the negative. So Miriam is a perfect example for that. Miriam waited for Moshe for just a little bit of time. When she is stricken with Saraz, Kalali saw wait for her for how long? For seven days. Incredible. So the Gemara says, that, they all say that, the Gemara is quoting over here the Pasek by Miriam. So remember again, the Pasek says that the sister, right, Miriam, this is about when Moshe, being a baby Moshe is in the basket. So the Pasek says his sister stood by at a distance. This entire Pasek really is a metaphor for the Shechina. Shalom. Shabbos is absolutely beautiful. So the Gemara understands over here that this entire Pasuk of ultimately, again, that his sister stood at a distance is a metaphor for the Shekhinah. That as, literally again, as Miriam was waiting by the side of the banks of the Nile River to see what was happening with Moshe Rabbeinu, it wasn't only Miriam who was there, but rather who else was there? The Shekhinah. The Divine Presence itself was hovering nearby, ultimately again guarding and watching over little baby Moshe to make sure that he would be okay. So again, embedded in the Pasuk, and all the Gemara just did is shout each, each word of that Pasuk, ultimately again used in a different context to go ahead and mean HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So beautiful. Now I watch this. Incredible, incredible time. I say, now the Gemara is going to go through the entire story of Egyptian servitude. I will say absolutely incredible. Literally, again, second day Chalamite of Pesach, right? Second day Chalamite. We now get to go ahead and go through the entire story, the entire story of Shibud Mitzrayim. Here it is. Bayakam El Chadash. I will say, so ultimately, again, remember again, this is the beginning of Chumash Shmos. A new king rose to power. Ravan Shmuel, Chad Amar Chadash Mamish, the Chad Amar Shinis Chadshuk Zerosov. So we'll say it's Machlokis. One opinion says that literally it was a brand new king. The other one say no, it was the same king, same king, but with new decrees. Right? Same king, new decrees. Mamish, the one who says ultimately it was a new king, Chadash. it does say new. And the second opinion who says that it wasn't a new king, rather just new decrees, is it doesn't say the previous king died. And the new king was anointed. So therefore, I will say, so that's number one. Was it an actual new king or same king with new decrees? That's my whole I will say, I'll tell you something amazing. An incredible, incredible Musar Haskil. Hey, I will see, you learn something even from Paro. What do you learn from this? What do you learn from this? 
You learn from this that a person has the ability to reinvent themselves. In other words, there's an opinion that says, same king. If it's the same king, then how can you be called a new king? And also the answer is, because if you make the conscious decision to reinvent yourself, if you decide, I don't want to do things the same way, if you decide, I don't want to live the same way, if you decide, I want to be someone different going forward, even though you're the same person, you have the ability to go ahead and reinvent yourself. You know, we'll say, somebody saw me, somebody said, I saw someone of our first days, and I haven't seen her in a couple of years. He said, all right, Silver, you haven't changed a bit. I said, that's the most hurtful thing anyone has ever said to me. Right? I haven't changed a bit. I haven't seen you in four years, and I haven't changed a bit. Thank you for the musr. Clearly, I have a lot of work to do. I will say, it's incredible. Where, from where do you learn the ability of personalistic, cathartic change? Who does it come from? It comes from Parah. Vayakam melech chadash. That there's an opinion that literally holds. It's the same guy. But if it's the same guy, how can you call him a Melech Chadash? Because I will say, any day you decide to live life differently, any day you decide to make different life decisions, any day you decide today, I want to be a different person. If Paru can become new, I can become new as well. Incredible. So the Gemara says, what happened? Asher lo yadas Yosef. Who didn't know Yosef? What does that mean? They both say, how can you not know Yosef? Yosef was the one who saved Egypt from regional famine, right? Remember again, Yosef not does he save Egypt from regional famine, but Yosef was the one who filled the treasuries of Egypt, right? Remember again, because remember Yosef, Yosef essentially, Yosef went ahead and essentially made all of the land government-owned land, right? In other words, Egypt, the government owned everything. The government owned everything. So how can you not know Yosef? To which the Gemara says, <clears throat> So in other words, he knew Yosef, but he made himself as if he did not know Yosef. Why? Because obviously, again, the goal is to enslave and persecute the Jewish people. Well, you can't do that if you are indebted to the previous Jewish ruler. So he made himself as if he didn't know Yosef. He said to his nation, there is this nation, right? There's this nation who lives amongst us, Am Yisrael. So Tana, who his Tchila, Lefichach Laka Tchila. So ultimately, again, Paro, right? Enslavement, this is very interesting, actually. The concept of, or the idea of enslavement did not come from the general populace. Who did it come from? Came from Paro. Came from Paro. So he ultimately, it was, right? He began with the Yitzah, and therefore, ultimately, again, he is held liable before anyone else. So ultimately, again, Paro says to his nation, let's deal wisely with him. Remember, him is singular, low is singular. Says the Gemara, is this not absolutely incredible that this Gemara comes out in the middle of Chalamai Pesach? At a, at a seven and a half year cycle. And I will say, here's the incredible part about it. Why here? Yes, Kisav HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All right, this is beautiful. It's a kiss from Hashem that we're doing the right thing. Sometimes we doubt, should we be doing this, doing something else? Hashem brings a sugya. Why here? Like, why in Chalamai? It wouldn't have been so much better. Wouldn't have been so much better to do this on first day Pesach. So I will say, this is like the Yom Kid booster shot. Because what happens? What happens sometimes? What happens sometimes again by Chalamai? What happens in Chalamai? 
Like, uh, I'm all tired. It's just a three-day yantiv, right? Again, there's still more yantiv to come. So I'll say, so what do you get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Bonshav gives you this little spiritual pick-me-up, right? The social shopping that says, this is great. This is fantastic. So literally, Chazara, we just did all of this two nights ago. We literally just did all of this. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you did so beautifully, Chazara. Let's Chazar over, get a little bit more invigorated for the rest of this yantiv. So I, the Pasek says, let's deal with him wisely. You shouldn't say him. It should say lohem. Watch this, Rabosei. You see, Paro, this is always true of the greatest Rishayim. See, Rabosei, you have to understand something. To be a Rasha, you have to be really holy. And you have to be really holding. In other words, you could be a, anyone could be a bad guy. To be a Rasha requires skill. You really, you really have to know what you're doing. So Paro knows that there's a concept of, of a savior, right? We have this Mesorah. It was Mesorah already passed down again from Yaakov to Yosef, from Yosef to the Shvatim, the Shvatim to their children. So Paro knows the stories, right? Paro knows the Mesorah. The Mesorah is, there's going to be a Moshiach, there's going to be a savior. So Paro also knows the way to defeat, you don't have to defeat the Jewish people. Who do you have to defeat? Who do you have to defeat? The future savior. That's what you need to do. So that's why it says, Haven is lo. Let's deal wisely with him. Who's the him? Who's the him? The him is the Jewish Savior. Now again, no one knows who the Jewish Savior is, but that's, that's how we deal with the Jewish problem. So the Gemara says, So donam. So how should we how should we deal with them? How should we deal with them? If we, if we deal with the Jews, if we burn them, put them in fire. Can't do that because God himself is associated with fire. So, if we deal with the Jews with swords, can't do that. Let's deal with the Jews with water. Why water? Watch this. So let's listen to this. So Paro says, listen, let's deal with the Jews with water. Why water? Because God has already promised that what? He will not bring another mabel to the world. So if we deal with them with water, nothing bad is going to happen to us. Meanwhile, meanwhile, what they didn't realize was, yeah, God promised not to go ahead and destroy the world with water. What he did not promise to do was what? Not to destroy a nation with water. In other words, the world will never be destroyed with water again. Nations absolutely can. Inami, hu aval hein The other possibility is, yeah, Hashem promised never to go ahead and bring a flood to the world. What he didn't promise is what? If you enter into split seas, that ultimately, again, those waters will come crashing down upon you. So what does it mean when it says the the Mitzrim themselves were punished with the very thing with which they conspired? Meaning what? The very pot that they used to cook, they were cooked in. And what does this mean? That Lamaisa, again, we'll, we'll skip ahead for just a moment, the way that Egyptian persecution, the way the, the way the Egyptians sought to ensure there would never be a Jewish savior was how? 
Ultimately, again, throw the babies in the Nile. Why did Paro start with throwing babies in the Nile? Because Rashi quotes, his astrologers told him the Jewish Savior is going to be born, throw the babies in the Nile. So amazingly enough, that was the very mechanism that Paro sought in order to go ahead and upend Jewish emancipation, and that became the very undoing of Mitzrayim, right? See, he tried to destroy the Jewish people with water. He's destroyed with water. My mashma, the high Zodu Lushen Dikdera. But say, where do you get the Lushen of Zodu? Is Lushen of Kidera, ultimately of cooking in a pan. Tachsev, Vayizad Yaakov Nezid. Amr Bechirava. Fine. Amr Bechimai. Shloshayva Oseitza. I will say there are three people involved in the council to Paro to go ahead and destroy the Jewish people. Who were they? Bilam, Ve'iov, Ve'yisrael. Bilam, Iov, and Yisrael. All three of those people, I will say, is incredible. Bilam, Iov, and Yisrael were all part of the kitchen cabinet of Paro. Bilam, Shiyatz, Nerag. So Bilam, who is actually part of the council to go ahead and kill the Jewish people, he himself is killed. Iov, Sheshasak, Nidom, Yisurin. Iov, ultimately, again, who was silent, was afflicted, suffered. Yisro, who ran away, was privileged to have his children become members of the Sanhedrin. So again, the Gemara is quoting the Apostle that indicate that Yisro himself had descendants who sat on the Sanhedrin. So I just want to point out a really dramatically amazing Gemara. So you have over here Bilam, who was part of the Eitzah, right? Bilam himself, who was part of the council, ultimately killed. So Eov, who said nothing, afflicted with suffering. And Yisro, who ran away, who ran away, ultimately merits to have descendants who became members of the Sanhedrin. I will say, what do you see from here? What do you see from here? So Bilam, I understand. Bilam, I understand. What's fascinating is Yisra, is Eov, right? Eov, right? Let's say if you think about it, by the way, kind of Eov and Yisro kind of did the same thing, right? In other words, both didn't weigh in. Just Eov did it through silence. Yisro did it through running away. So I'll say, what's the difference? What's the difference? So the fact that Eov remained there and remained silent, silence is being complicit, right? At the end of the day, and this is an incredibly important episode, because this happens all of the time, actually not all of the time, not in this I'm saying it happens that sometimes we are present when negative things are occurring, wrongful things are occurring, and we don't say anything. Now, what to say, how to say it, sometimes it's a complicated parasha. But just understand that not saying something is not necessarily innocent or remaining neutral. Sometimes not saying something when mamish evil is being perpetrated, is you're, you're just as bad as the people perpetrating the crime. So I will say, Yisro understood that he could not affect change. This is also very important. Yisro, Yisro, you're obligated to speak up. Sometimes you can't affect change. What do you do when you can't affect change? You have to remove yourself from the situation. Remaining present and silent is the equivalent of being complicit. So when you realize that you cannot affect change and you see things going off the rails, you're obligated to remove yourself 
from that situation. That was the godless of Yisro. That's why Yisro is rewarded with children who are part of the Sanhedrin. Eov is afflicted with suffering because he was complicit. Bilam, who was actively party to the Eitzah of, to the Eitzah of Paro, is killed. Incredible. Remember again, Paro, when he tries to sell his people on Jewish servitude, right, on enslaving the Jews, he says, we have to subjugate the Jews because if not, they'll wage war against us and and go up from the land. I, the Pasuk says, it should say, plural. So I'll say, this is like someone who goes ahead and literally curses himself and ultimately hinges the curse on his friends. And other words, what Paro was literally saying was, the Jews are going to take over and they're going to force us to leave. Force us to leave. So Paro appointed, Paro appointed taskmasters. So ultimately, again, why does it say alav? Alav means on, on himself. Why doesn't it say alehem on them? Rabbi Shimon was incredible. When Paro first, before he began to enslave the Jewish people, the first thing he did was he wore a brick around his neck. He wore a brick around his neck. <clears throat> so I say, so now, when forced labor began, the Jews would say, I'm too weak, I'm an istinis, I'm too delicate. They would say, are you any more delicate than Paro? So Paro wore this brick around his neck, symbolizing that he was also working. So I say, the way Egyptian servitude began was everyone was working together. Everyone was working together. Then, right, and everyone was working together for a wage. Then slowly but surely what ended up happening was this whole thing evolved. It evolved into slavery. So I will say, this is another incredible Musar. I want to point out, there's a lot of positive Musar you can learn from Paro as well. Right? Musar number one, Musar number one was Vayakam el You have the ability to remake yourself. Musar number two, what's Musar number two? I'll say Musar number two is an incredible lesson in leadership. If you want people to do something, Never ask people to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. I will say it's such an incredible. I, say, I just want to point out, not getting political. Do you want to know why our current political system is so incredibly broken? Because we have leaders who love to advance ideas that they themselves would never do. Right? And that's why, and that's why, in general, there's a fundamental loss in a belief in political leadership because people see through it. You're asking me to do things, right? You're asking me to make sacrifices. You're asking me to do this, 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 and that. And meanwhile, you'll never do that. And people see right through it. Paro, Paro, to his credit, understood, you want to get people to do manual labor? You want to get people to do manual labor? Hang that brick around your neck. You need to get your hands dirty along with everyone else. Every single proper leader knows. Never ask people to do anything that you would not be willing to do yourself. Incredible. This, this, I just want to point out, this positive Muslim Paro as well. Oh, so by the way, I'll just point out, that's why. First thing, Cohen, right? Cohen, who is spiritual leadership. The first thing the Cohen does in the morning is what? First thing the Cohen does? Right, take, out, take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. Take out the ash. Leaders take out the trash also. Right? Leaders take out the trash also. Leaders pick up garbage on the floor also. Because if you want other people to roll their sleeves up and get their hands dirty, 
you better be ready to model the same exact behavior. Incredible. Where do we see it from? First of all, say, <laughs> Paro. Paro. Incredible. So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara says, Good. Uh, fine. Is there a start? Good. Sorry, Misim. What's sorry, Misim? Davar Shemashim. So I say something that, so Misim, the Gemara understands, is from a Lashon of Kfiyah, Rashi says. A Lashon of subjugation. Leman anoso b'sivlo sam. Leman anoso leparo b'sivlo sam d'Yisrael. So I say, ultimately, the Pasuk is a, is a scriptural allusion to the fact that Paro himself was afflicted through the burdens of the Jewish people. In other words, that everything that Paro sought to visit upon Cloud Israel ultimately again becomes the very source of affliction for him. By even Are Miskinos Paro, they built Are Miskinos. What does that mean? So Rav Chad Amar Shemesaknos Es Balehem. So Rav said, Miskinos means that ultimately again these buildings put the people in jeopardy, put the owners in jeopardy. The Cham the Cham say Shemesaknos Es Balehem. It caused the Egyptians to become poor. So one says it put the Egyptians in peril. The other said it put, made the Egyptians become poor. So I understand the first opinion. The first opinion says that the buildings themselves put the, Egypt, put the Egyptians in peril. Why did they put them in peril? Because the fact that they enslaved the Jewish people then put them in peril for judgment. Then it was a second opinion says that the buildings themselves went ahead and made the people poor. Made the Egyptians poor. How did they make the Egyptians poor? This is incredible. Because everyone knows when you invest in real estate, you become poor. Right? So I'll say, now what, what does this mean? That in other words, real estate, what, what it means, real estate is very risky. Real estate is a very risky, risky enterprise. Right? Not enterprise, uh, endeavor. Right? Parnosa. All right, good. Right? Real estate is risky. You'll see, by the way, why real estate was even more risky over here. As Pitom Esram says, Rav Shmuel Chat Amar Pitom Shma. So we'll say, one says Pitom was the actual name of the area. Why was it called Ram says? Sherishon Rishon Misroses. Because we'll say, apparently, apparently, everything they built crumbled. Crumbled. So that's the notion of Ram says. The Chat Amar Ram says Shma. Other one says Ramses was the name. Valama Nikra Shma Pitom. Why was it called Pitom? Sherishon Rishon Pitahom Bolo. Both listen to this. They built, they built apparently on wetlands. Right? What happens when you build on wetlands? Right? It sinks. So everything they would build ultimately again would sink in. So either it could be that they were using inferior building materials. Or from China, you know, whatever, right? Right, or, right, but it was cheap, right? Or, or they were building on wetlands so that every single thing they built ultimately again was sinking in. So I will say, so this is the Lushan, this is the Lushan ultimately again of this idea, of this idea of, oh, again, that's why it says, Are Miskinos. Either again, the building itself was dangerous because everything was crumbling, or ultimately, again, are miskinos, it's making them poor because literally, again, everything is sinking into the ground. The more ultimately, again, I will say literally translated, the more they afflicted him, the more, he, the, the more they prospered, or the more they, the more they multiplied. Why is it phrased in the singular again? It should be in the plural. So what we'll is incredible. This is actually, this Pasuk is to be looked at as a statement of the Shechina. That the Shechina, Kivyach Baruch Hu, was saying to the Egyptians, 
the more you afflict them, the more he will prosper, the more he will amplify. So it's not really a statement about what is happening, but rather, again, it's a statement of divine blessing. Incredible. Ultimately, again, so the Egyptians were disgusted by the Jewish people. The Jews were like thorns in the eyes of the Egyptians. And I will say, I want to point out something out to you. Remember, what did the Jews do to the Egyptians? <clears throat> what did the Jews do to the Egyptians? I will say, the answer is... Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, so this is two things you teach us. Number one, it's an incredible insight into anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism does not have a reason. This is an incredibly important yisod. People hate us because they hate us. They hate us. And it's very important. This is always the story. Remember again, look at Egypt just a moment. What did the Jews contribute to Egypt? Again, we saved them. We saved them, and that, that's not hyperbole. Literally, again, we saved, when we say we, we mean Yosef, right? Yosef saved them, right? The Jewish people only contributed to the fabric of Egyptian society. Not, we did not try anti-Semitism is irrational, and it's important to understand that. Number two, I will say, what else do you see from here? See, this whole chap over here was Paro. Paro stirred the pot of insecurity amongst the Egyptians. When you are insecure, when you're insecure, you have two choices in life. Choice number one is, is deal with your insecurity, right? Choice number two is project that insecurity onto someone or something else. Survey, survey says that most people choose option two, right? Why? Because it is always so much easier to project your problems onto someone or something else than to deal with them yourself. I will say this, 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 is, this is the story, or this is the nature of the human condition. And I will say that's why it's so important that we learn this story because we do this same thing. We all have insecurities. We all have insecurities. So again, it's tempting to project those insecurities onto someone or something else or I could find the courage to actively deal with them. Nigmar goes weiter. Ultimately, again, so, so Mitzrayim dealt with the Jewish people of our back-breaking back, back breaking labor. We'll say, you don't have days. 11B, right on time. 11B. We're fine, we're fine. The Perach. Perach, I will say, means literally, again, with soft words. What does this mean? So Rabbi Shua Barachmani Amar Bepricha. So we'll say, Beperach means, like we were talking about before, Egyptian servitude did not begin with the cracking of the whip. Rather, again, Egyptian servitude was rather a call to let's build, let's build the country together. That's how this started. Jew, non-Jew, let's all build together. So therefore, again, uh, so the pe- that's peperach, the softnaf. Rabbi Shulbarach, Maniyar, Bepricha. Ultimately, again, Bepricha, backbreaking labor. So Rabbi Shulbarach, Maniyar, Bepricha. Vaimaru Eschayim Babo the Kasha. The Egyptians made our life bitter with very hard work. Bechorn Belevenim. Ultimately, again, we're building materials with, with, with bricks. In the beginning, it was with bricks. Right? So in other words, in the beginning, the Egyptians gave us the requisite building materials, and we did what we had to do. Then at the end, it was with every single type of work in the field. So in other words, in the beginning, in the beginning, Egyptian servitude began, again, we'll give you the building materials. Then what ended up happening? What ended up happening is we had to forage for the building materials ourselves. 
Ultimately, again, all the avodas they did with backbreaking the Yibam Rabbi Shlomo say first why the Amr Rabbi Nachman, Amr Yonasan, Shayum Machlifin Melechas Anoshim Lenoshim, or Melechas Noshim Laanoshim. So I will say this is very interesting. What did the Egyptians do? The Egyptians switched men's jobs for women's jobs, women's jobs for men's jobs. So we'll say again, in the opinion that said over there, Beferach would agree over here, Bricha. So we'll say, so in other words, the Egyptians, in order to go ahead and amplify the difficulty of the job, switched roles. Switched roles. See, I will say, you know, contrary, contrary to, to kind of like modern day sensitivities, men and women are different. Men and women are different, right? And Lemaise, again, and those differences manifest themselves in a variety of different ways. So Lemaise, the Egyptians understood the best way to go ahead and intensify servitude was to put people in different roles and different capacities which we were not used to. It creates just a fundamental disorientation societally. So the Gemara goes like this. The Gemara says, Darash, Rabbi Abira. This is beautiful. I was like, you know, say that. I realized we should have said, I should have done the bath in the, in the base medrash. We would have had more time. Okay. All right, well, we still have a, still have a few minutes. Okay, I, I didn't realize that. Fine, so Dara Shravavira, Bishar Nashim said, Kanyos Shayaba Osadar, Nigalo Yisrava Mitzrayim. She was such a beautiful Gemara. In the merit, in the merit of righteous women, Cloud Yisrael was redeemed from Mitzrayim. I was like, what does this refer to? Bishar is incredible. So the, the Gemara understands over here that the entire, the reason we were redeemed was because of the Nashim said, Kanyos, because of righteous women. I was listen to this. When the women went to draw water, so ultimately, again, this is incredible. So the women would go to draw water. When they drew water, in the water that they drew, they also got fish. Fish. And I was understanding kind of a miracle in that. Right? So out of a bucket of water, you're going to see they drew an incredible amount of fish as well. What happens? So, and every bucket of water, half of it was water, half of it was fish. That's incredible. So the Gemara says, And I will say they would go home, they would have two pots, one of water and one of fish. And they would bring, again, the husbands were working in the field. Apparently the Egyptians did not put the women to work as much. So what would happen? The women would go ahead and bring their husbands, you know, food. In the field, in the field, they would bring a pot of water and a pot, and a pot of fish. I will say, by the way, I'll just point out to you something amazing. You know, if you fast forward a little bit, remember when Cloud Yisrael, one of the times they were, they were complaining against Moshe and Moshe Rabbeinu in, in, in the desert. Remember what they said? Zacharnu es hadaga asher achalu b'mitzrayim. We remember the fish that we ate, that we ate in Egypt. So I will say, Rashi says, fish? Fish, the Egyptians wouldn't give you straw. They wouldn't give you straw. And you think that ultimately they gave you fish? You gave you fish? So I will say, could very well be, what's the fish that they are remembering? This is what I Now do you understand the chutzpah of what they did? This was a miracle, right? The, the Egyptians didn't provide them with fish, right? Kishbarakho provided them with fish. It was an incredible miracle. I will say, you know, sometimes, sometimes, the greatest chutzpah is when we take the miracles that Hashem gives us and we turn them against the Rebono Shal Olam. So that's Vayishman Yishur and Vayivat, right? We get a little bit too comfortable, a little bit too fat, a little bit too settled, right? So we remember the fish. The Yibam gave us the fish. 
Hashem gave us the fish. In any event, so I'll say, so what happens? So So they bring the water and the fish to their husbands in the field. Again, the men would be the men would be exhausted from this labor. So the wives would wash there. They would help their husbands wash up. They would give them to eat. They would give them to drink. is incredible. They would be intimate with their husbands between the borders of the field. And I will say, the way borders of a field work is like this. A border, by definition, remember again, borders were raised like mounds of land. So they would give them something to eat, they would help them wash up, and they would be intimate with their husbands in the privacy of the borders of the field. Shinemar in Tishkavun Bain Safasayim. Bishar Tishkavun Bain Safasayim, Zahu Yisrael Bizas Mitzrayim. And I will say, you have to understand what is happening over here. What's occurring over here? The Gemara is painting the story, I will say, of the men effectively gave up. The men effectively gave up. The men had resigned themselves to this faith of being slaves. What were the women doing? Every single day, they were bringing food to their husbands. Every single day, they were washing. It was, in other words, the concept of washing. You know how like, sometimes you have a hard day, you put some water on your face, you wash up a little bit, you feel like a mensch, right? You feel like a mensch. They were helping us to feel like a mensch, and then ultimately, again, they were ensuring the continuity of the Jewish people. That's what's unfolding over. I will say, all right, we'll have to stop over here for today. I will say, I don't want to skip, and I don't want to give you up because this is too good. So we're going to start here tomorrow. Tomorrow we learn Emirat Hashem after, after davening. Yomtev schedule, Emirat Hashem. So we'll start here about 7.30. We'll have time. We'll have time. We're going to catch up. We're right on, well, I'm not doing, I'm not going to be an hour and a half here. And I will say, but, but again, we'll catch up over the next couple of days, but these Gemaras are too good. Too good. So we'll stop over here for today. We are right on schedule. We have 40, 30, 30 something days to write the ship. And that's when we all say, Shikoyak and a good night.